Hello, everyone, and welcome to the L2 Sports Podcast. I am your host, Lucas Curtelli, and as always, I'm here with Mr. Luca Moya. Buddy, how's, you, how's your week been? How have you been feeling? Tell me about it. What's going on with you? Going good, man. Weather's been absolutely, like, crazy. I use a humid there in King City because over here, can't even walk outside my front porch without sweating. Buddy, I was in a warehouse today working. Oh, yeah. And it was brutal. Like, you go outside for lunch, and there's just no, like, change in, like, feeling of the weather. The humidity was brutal. The rain's just been on and off, so you never know what's going to happen. It's you know, been crazy. Well, when you ask for nice weather, I, I don't mean this nice. I mean this is this is just this is no. extreme. Come on, get twenty nine, maybe or twenty seven, twenty six. Nice sun. Yeah, I felt like forty three today. I yeah. thought I was gonna pass out. It was crazy. Like, we're we're not we're not in Florida or Tampa Bay. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I know. But now let's let's segue into Tampa Bay. They just made it to the Cup final. The Montreal Canadiens, nobody thought would make it this far, are in the Cup final. <laughs> they Tampa did it. Bay. They did it. Luca, they did it. Overtime wow. victory. Great call by Chris Cup for like wow. I'm just amazed. So we're we're gonna get into that right now. They just lost five one uh in game one. Tampa Bay takes takes game one. Kucherov just continuing to just put up points, even though he's injured, uh uh-huh. allegedly yeah, injured. Yeah. Two goals, one assist, point, just three assists. Stammer has a goal. Um you saw what it was in game one, how Tampa absolutely dominated the Canadians in every aspect. I, I would think physically, skill-wise, speed. It was just all Tampa Bay in game one. What do you think Montreal needs to change heading into game two? I think when we saw the first game against Vegas, they lost 4-1. Mm-hmm. Montreal did, and they come back. And Montreal's done a fantastic job in these whole playoffs with adjusting. And that's the reason, you know, you can say what you want about Toronto and how maybe they didn't care enough, but they adjusted well. Montreal, like you said, played playoff hockey, beat that team. Then they go dust out Winnipeg. Vegas, I don't think anybody thought they were going to beat Vegas, but there was always something at the back of people's minds saying the way they're playing right now, it's clicking. They can do some damage. And they did. They took them, they took them out in six, man. Like not even Vegas didn't even force seven. Mm-hmm. They, they, they forced, they knocked them out in six. So adjustment wise, play your game. Don't play Tampa's game because when people play Tampa's game, there's no one better than that. I mean, when they're, when Tampa's on, they're on. I remember Boston a couple of years ago, tried to play with seven D because Tampa did it the night before they got absolutely dominated. You can't play Tampa style of hockey, play your style of hockey, trust in, you know, the, the guys you have on the bench and just go out. It's been working. You're four wins away from a Stanley Cup. I don't think anybody would have thought that at the beginning of the year. And then the beginning of the playoffs, round after round, they just keep winning. When the puck's going your way, puck's going your way. Okay? There's not going to be a lot of games, I don't think. I don't know about you, that Carey Price is going to land in those yeah. many goals. So when they score, I think, three goals or like 11-0 and 0 or something crazy like that. Get the offense going. Score a couple goals. I know it's it's hard to say. It's Tampa. They're one of the best goalies in the league. But play sound hockey. Don't do anything stupid because you have a, a wall back there to bail you out multiple times. And when he doesn't, they're not going to win. Mm-hmm. So you can't give them great chances either. It's going to be a good series. See, Luca, this is where I'm going to counter you. And you said that Montreal needs to play their game and don't play to Tampa's game. I think 
why Tampa Bay is so good and why they're the reigning Stanley Cup champions is that they can play any style of game. If That's you want to play too. fast and, and skill, like like a Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, let's just say Tampa versus Toronto Maple Leafs, more speed and skill, they can play that game. If you want to go in the trenches, more defensively, uh, physicality with Montreal, they're going to play that game. They have probably the deepest team in the NHL with their top three lines, Point, Kucherov, Stammer, Kalorn, Palat, their uh, their defensive core with Chirnak, Hedman, McDonough. Like, and then you have arguably the 1A, 1B top goalies in the league in Vasilevsky who can play, uh, go head-to-head with Carey Price. Like any game you want, any type of game you want to play, Tampa's just going to match it and play better because they are the more skillful team. So that's yeah. where I think Montreal is really in tough. And I guess my advice for Montreal is get the first goal. Get the first goal because in these playoffs, Montreal has never played well when they're behind because that, that's just not the way they're built. They're built more defensively like in the New York Islanders were. And you saw what Tampa Bay, they they played the style of game that, that the New York Islanders wanted to play and they came out on top. But for Montreal, if they get the first goal, I think they'll have more of a chance to steal and get get the win in the game because they just got to fall back, play their 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 traps, play defensively. You get to know out there as well. Their defensive forwards help out their def- their really good defensive core and carry price. Uh, you can't really fault them on a lot of the goals uh, in game one. But when uh, if you get them a lead, like it's going to be really hard to to get one by them as well. Yeah, I think getting the first goal is important too. That's a very good point because once Tampa scores, you're going to start, you might have to start taking some more risks. Mm-hmm. The ice is a little bit more open. And then you have, you know, Tampa's so skilled. Like, like you said, they're fast, like they can hit. So once there's more ice for Point, Kutroff, Stammer, and all, like even Sorelli, it's yeah. game over. It's game over. You're not going to win. So, mm-hmm. I agree. That that's a very good point. Getting the first goal, locking it back. That's what Montreal has done all playoffs, yeah, really. All they playoffs. get a lead, they lock yeah. it down, and then they'll score sh- scrappy goals throughout exactly. the game and, and close it out. They capitalize on the the risks that the other team has to take, yeah. and 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 also to to the Gallagher incident with uh, Sergachev when he was slammed on the ice. Like Gallagher's been, he's a pest on the ice. That's like pretty much his game yeah. he's gonna get under the other team's skin and if you saw tampa bay last night and and sergachev and they're throwing hits at, at shea weber they're throwing big hits at cock and yemi the young kids uh even Corey perry uh like you would think that he would turn up his game turn up his like more agitator side and tampa bay just says no we're gonna bully you guys into the ground and you say Patrick Maroon. I really think his only job on this team is to get under the other team's skin. Whatever you, whenever you see him on on the broadcast, you just see him chirping at somebody, chirping at the bench, chirping at uh, Carey Price and all that. So, I Tampa Bay to me is a complete team. I really don't want to give a prediction because like I've I've given you three predictions and I've been wrong every single time so when it comes to Montreal. Don't you worry. So yeah. like, I don't know how much credibility we're gonna end up having at the end of this podcast, Luca. So it's going to be mean, a good series. It's going to be I a good said series. This, I said this at the start of Vegas. This time they can't do it. Like, this, like surely not this time they're going to do it, but I don't even I don't think know. I can say that anymore. You know what? I think after what we've seen, I, I honestly, it should be Tampa, 
I think it's 50-50, honestly, because you ask me any other year, I'd go Tampa, but the way Montreal's playing and the way they've just knocked out these teams, I wouldn't be surprised at this point, Mm -hmm. the fact they made it here. You know what? Listen, if they win, good for them. Price deserves a ring. Yep, that's it. I if one of these guys has to win, I would love to see Price uh, raise that Stanley Cup. Shea Weber raise that Stanley Cup. So uh, game two tomorrow night. So we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, some contracts were signed today. Uh, first with the Toronto Maple Leafs, Wayne Simmons, two years, one point eight million dollars. That's nine hundred k for the next two seasons. Uh, thoughts on that, Luca? It's good if he's the fourth line guy. Like if he's a fourth line player, mm-hmm. I think it's good. I mean, I think this time in his career, he's not second line material. First, not first line, but second line, not even third line. You want him for that fourth line. Him and Spets, I thought, were really good for Toronto. Much needed grit, much needed uh, leadership. These are the guys you bring in. The Leafs are deep. They're going to let some guys go in the offseason. Zach Hyman's probably going to walk. There's a lot of young talent coming up. Can Robertson stay healthy? Maybe he plays on the fourth line with them just to start off and see how he progresses. Does Makayev get thrown down? Like, I think having those two guys, I thought they were really good for the Leafs last year. Simmons, when they put him with Tavares and Nylander, I thought it was okay because it freed up a lot of ice because we know how he is. He, he likes to get in those areas. He likes mm-hmm. to hit people and all that, but... I think stick him on the fourth line for now. You don't pay a guy 900K to play on the second. I mean, it'd be great if you get a guy who mm-hmm. pay him 900K and he's a second line kind of player, but Simmons is past that for now. And I think he, as a player, is fine with playing on the fourth line with Spezza. Yeah. He's not one of those guys who are going to say, okay, listen, play me on the second line or I'm out. He seems like a good yeah. team guy. So I like the deal for Toronto. I thought he was good. I thought, I thought all the question marks around the team – I thought he was probably one of the guys down the list that I didn't have a problem with. Yeah, I, I I absolutely love the the signing of Simmons. Like if the this Toronto team wants to make the next step, I think Wayne Simmons is that type of player that they need a comma playoff time come like in a playoff run. They need a a a, a Wayne Simmons uh in their lineup. And I really think he can play up and down your lineup, whether it's 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 one through four. Yeah, you saw him play with Matthews and Marner for the, uh, a little bit during last season, and he got really, really hot because, he, again, he's playing with two uh, of the top players in the league, and then he gets a hand injury. And that's where the drop-off came with Wayne Simmons because you saw – I'm going to throw back to the first game of the season against Montreal. Uh, the Leafs were, were not playing really well. He goaded uh, Sherratt into a fight, and you could argue that switched the game around. But when you have a, a – a hand injury uh, that really sticks in the back of your mind. Do I really want to have a, a fight and re-injure this hand? Was it really healthy to begin with? All of that. So maybe next season when he's fully healthy, he goes through a full training camp. Um, maybe you see him on the top line with with uh, Austin Matthews. But I do like him fourth line, Jason Spezza. And I really think Jason Spezza, the way he's played, the way he's shown what he, he can, can do in the Toronto Maple yeah. Leafs lineup, nine minutes a night, 30 points. I think he can move up the lineup, third line center, maybe uh, some nights. Mm-hmm. So uh, the next one, we're going to go to Edmonton, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, eight years, $41 million. Uh, I really think the term uh, like it, he was going to get 40 million either way, wherever he went. 
but uh, I don't think that the Edmonton owners really wanted to pay him uh, a 7.1, uh, 7 point something uh, for five years or for four years. So with the eight-year term, they can pay him around five, 5.2, I think it is. Uh, so that's a, a really good cap hit if they want to get rid of him uh, down the line. Nugent Hopkins, great depth player. I still think he's really overshadowed uh, kind of by their two top guys in McDavid and Dreisaitl, but I think a really good depth piece uh, for the future of Edmonton. I don't know. I I like Nugent Hopkins. Don't get me wrong, but like really, what has he has he really done? Honestly, for Edmonton's point of view, you need to keep him because it's McDavid, Drysdale, really who else? Like, yeah, like he's probably the third best player. Maybe right? Zach. So, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I mean, goes to, to Edmonton. I don't know if they're gonna have enough money after this. Exactly. But really. He didn't have that great of a year, like mm-hmm. 61 points in 65 games last year. You might, he, he didn't play a full 82 games. Not bad. Almost a point per game this year, 52 games played 35 points, like uh, minus minus four. I mean, I get it. He was the number one overall pick. He was a guy, he, he took a long time. He did take, I think, personally, he, I think he took a long time to kind of get his feet settled. And, and you know, that's, it's not terrible. I mean, in his rookie year, he was good. He kind of went through a, a pretty big drop. But he had 37 points, 32 points, and 22 points, 25 points, 24. Like, like he never yeah. really hit 50 points for, like, <laughs> five years or something like that. Like, it was just it's crazy. Or, sorry, that was just, sorry, that was his assist. Sorry, I'm talking about the points. But he wasn't really a point-per-game player is what I was trying to basically get at. Mm-hmm. That's fine. 50 to 60 points a year, okay. But is that $7 million a year worth? Like, I don't It's know. not seven. He's making 5.2 now since it's an eight-year contract. But again, like eight years. Like, I just think hold the, on to that guy eight. for eight years? Because after three, after three to four years, it's five, or five years even, don't but you think 5.2 f- is going to be a bit hefty for a guy like this? I just think it, it it's a more movable contract than if he was making seven seven million dollars. Movable, a year. yes, you, I agree. You can move him because you it's have him at five. You have him at five. Uh, I don't know how it's structured. Again, you the, these deals in the NHL, you could get you could go eight or ten, 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 and then get uh, whatever ten. That's thirty. So like you could say like ten, yeah. ten, then maybe two, and then just all different years. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Every year, it could be a different cap hit if it's top heavy, if it's back heavy. So, I just think it's a it's a good deal for them because you have them for eight years. You have them at a low cap hit. If you want to move them down the line, five point five point one five point two, I think it's still a movable contract down the line. Yeah, I, I listen. I think he's a good player. I just don't know. Like he's so up and down. Yeah, for me, for sure. I, I he's I very, very up and down. Like so I, I was lifting off his assists. Sorry, I, I mix mm-hmm. up the categories. But he had fifty-six points in twenty fourteen and fifteen, and he didn't reach fifty points until the last two years, which is good. He had sixty points, not bad. And then this year, really, like, kind of dipped off again. Mm-hmm. I know it was only fifty-two games. He, he was on pace for maybe around fifty-five, but. Yeah. I don't know. Like he's your he's your third best player. Like there's something that's missing for Ryan Nugent Hopkins for me. I don't know what it is, but it feels like everybody on Edmonton there's always something missing there outside of the top two. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, if Edmonton maybe with the new contract, the right he move. might get some comfortability yeah, a little. Maybe 
and some confidence building. But sticking with Edmonton, yeah. uh, the trophies, uh, I guess the top four trophies, the big ones were handed out to the, uh, tonight. Connor McDavid wins the heart. I don't think we have a problem there. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Krill Kaprizov, Minnesota Wilds uh, rookie, won the Calder. Again, no problem with oh, that one. Yep. Um, Adam Fox winning the <laughs> Norris Trophy. That came out of nowhere. And I want to shout out uh, – I'm going to shout out Ryan Jans on this because he offered me a trade in fantasy for, for Adam Fox. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Why would I want to trade uh, for Adam Fox? I don't think he's that good. And now at the end of the year, of course – my prediction, again, is wrong. He wins the Norris Trophy. And then Marc-Andre Fleury taking home uh, the Vesna. 9.2 save percentage, six shutouts. Like, I think he was fantastic this year for Vegas with the, yeah. the injury to Leonard. Uh, the future might be a, a little crazy for Fleury. We don't know if he's going to stick with Vegas or if they might move him because they just gave Leonard last season that big contract. So, But good for him winning the Vesna Trophy. Uh, I have no problems with uh, with any of the trophies. Fox is 22 years of age. That 22 years. Me, Norris Trophy winner. Unreal unbelievable. for the Rangers. You can say maybe you didn't think he deserved it. It doesn't matter. He's still going to be one of the top defensemen in the league. Mm-hmm. And, man, 42 points in 70 games last year. He had 47 and 55. So that jump... Already, you can tell he's going to be one of those. I'm not going to say he's going to be prime Eric Carlson, but mm-hmm. he's going to be one of those point production defensemen. Back in the day, you had what Keith Yandel, uh, John yeah. Carlson now. So, listen, New York, they got a lot of talent. If they can get their young guys to make jumps like this, the Rangers can be one of those teams that we're talking about for the next couple of years. And the reason I like Adam Fox is because he, he can be that that point getting defenseman, but also be a defenseman and play yeah. defense the right way and, and, and not really rack up the minuses. He's more of a, he's going to be more in the, the plus category as his yes. uh, career moves on. So those were the trophies and that wraps up our, our NHL, our NHL talk for that one. Let's move on to some baseball. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Blue Jays management uh, finally heard the Jays fans, the Jays media. And they went out and got a reliever, Adam Simber, with Corey Dickerson. And we the Blue Jays sent back uh, Panic and a minor league arm that's going to be named later. Uh, Adam Simber uh, from the Miami Marlins, a 2.88 ERA, a 1.19 uh, uh, whip, 33 games this season. And he's a submarine pitcher. Corey Dickerson is on the on the IL right now, but again, 260 average this season, a 321 on base percentage. Left-handed bat in your lineup. He's he's hit in the American League East before, so it's not like he's going to come in and really not know the pitchers he's going up against. But but back to Simber, I really like him because it's just a different look for a batter and a different look in your bullpen for Charlie Montoyo. The the Tampa Bay Rays went to the World Series last year on pitching whether it was their starting rotation and their unbelievable bullpen. You really need a a good bullpen to take you far when it comes to playoffs. And the reason that that I think the Tampa Bay Rays uh, pen was so good is because they had all different types of pitchers, all different arm angles, all different guys who throw different speeds. Some guys throw in the uh, 89, 90, 91, and then you have some guys throwing 96, 97, 
and then 99, 100, topping 100. It's just different, different looks every time. And now that you bring in a submarine pitcher, it just will, it will just change the batter's mindsets, especially uh, facing your divisional rivals. I think it's a great move for them. Corey Dickerson, left-handed bat. You need more of those in your lineup to balance it out. I think a, a pretty good trade for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, looking at it from right now, we'll see how they perform. Yeah, well, every time they acquire a pitcher, it's like they forget how to throw a baseball. So we'll see <laughs> if they could do well for Toronto here. My biggest issue, I don't have an issue. I, I agree. I think the trade was good. Timber um, read out today. It's a ground ball pitcher. So career-wise, 55% of his pitches, these are right-handed batters. 55% of them end up in ground outs. The average in the MLB is 43%. So he's, he's above mm-hmm. the average, right? thing that worries me is the infield. I was talking to my buddy today. Bichette makes me nervous. I'm sorry, He does. Every time there's a ground ball, I don't know about you, he makes me nervous. And there's just something about – Again, like we said, like I said, right-handed batter hitting to the left side of the infield. That left side makes me a bit nervous. And I hope they can get the outs for him because he doesn't strike out guys a lot. That's number one. Number two, <laughs> if Montoyo brings this guy in against lefties, I don't think I'm going to watch him anymore until he's fired. Like, you see this stat. He's so good against right-handed pitching. If you bring in a guy, if you look at the line at Montoya, it's very easy to see. They tell the people watching at home who's on deck, who's in the hole. If you see three lefties coming up, you don't put them in the game. You see the three righties coming up, okay, that's the time you put them in. We don't need this guy to be gross against two, against both hands. Mm-hmm. Both guys, like like a lefties and righties. If he can come in, strike out the righties, there are a lot of right-handed power lineups in baseball. They're not in the AL, but look at the Padres. We got Tatis, you got Machado, right? Like, you can bring this guy in. Yeah, Yankees, Judge, Sanchez, like – you're not going to bring – or, you know, Dodgers even. You know, they got Mookie mm-hmm. bats, actually. Well, that's pretty much it. But still, <laughs> you're not going to bring him in against lefties. Like, you're not going to bring mm-hmm. him in against Rafael Devers, who's great against the breaking ball, and this guy doesn't throw hard at all. Like, his average pitch is around 87. Mm-hmm. So I just hope, Montoyo, you're not listening to this podcast, but if this ever comes out to you, do not put this guy against left-handed pitching. And if you do – put this guy against left hand pitching, he better be on a roll and he better be fired up and there better not be anybody on base <laughs> because I'm so tired of him blowing games for us. So those are the two things that worry me the most, not about Simber. It's about the team and yeah. the manager. Unfortunately. Uh, back to what you were talking about, about Boba and how that makes you nervous. I would say in April and in May, I was, I was nervous every time Bo got the ball hit to him and, uh, but right now, I think he has settled in. He's made, I think, better, yeah. in-season adjustments, which is great to see from such a young guy like Bo Bichette. And I think you got to attest a lot of that to one, Luis Rivera, the, the third base coach, because he works with the infield fielders every day. And Marcus Simeon as well at second base. Yeah, yeah. A veteran guy. He's played shortstop the majority of his career. And having him at second... And really, uh, that double play, that double play battery, is really, I guess, more comfortable uh, for me as and for Bo Bichette uh, when it comes to getting ground balls hit to him. Third base. Now that we lost, we lost Panic. The Jays lost Panic. You got to put Biggio there the majority yep. of the time because 
it's either Biggio or Espinal now no, at third no, base. No, 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 no. Biggio has to play there. You're not going to put Biggio, him at DH. No. You can't, so but, he has to play the field. But I just think, yeah, he has. Now Biggio is going to be your number one guy yeah. going to, to third base because uh, well, recently it's been, it's been Panic. Panic has been playing there. Panic, I like is, Panic I've seen him. Man, a, I like so him. did I. So did I. But like, I guess you had to, if you wanted the, the bullpen arm and another lefty bat like Corey Dickerson, you had to give up Panic. Yeah. We don't know what Which minor league pitcher is going. But uh, yeah, third base, I think, uh, really needs to, to be maybe not this season, That's but next I'm season saying. needs to be uh, attended to because I don't think Kevin Biggio is going to be a career third baseman. I really think he's going to end up in the outfield uh, eventually in his career. Good problem to have. Good problem to have. They're, they're stacked in the outfield. So stacked in the outfield, but some of the guys really can't track balls. Well, that's no. just a conversation for another time. Um, Euro. Mm-hmm. Euro. What a weekend of soccer. Wow. <laughs> you watched? Of course, buddy. I was at the cottage, you know. Buddy. Gotta watch some soccer. You know, it was raining up there. Watched the Italian game. A little nervous. Went to extra time, but we they, they got it done. Um, mm-hmm. France loses to Switzerland in penalties. Oh yeah, that made me, blew my mind. Made me laugh a little bit because everybody Portugal. said Portugal such an easy group. So. Portugal, Portugal, they're Oops. gone. Germany lost today, so you could say I'm gonna give you a little pun here. The death group is all gone. Like they're all like. They, they're dead, you know what I mean? Like, because everybody de- called yeah, it got group it. Oh, of okay. death, and now they're dead because they're not in. Yes, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. But now Italy has their toughest matchup going in uh, to the next mm-hmm. round. Italy and Belgium, Luca. Before we get into Italy, I just want to get your opinion on what, like, the France game, because that was the, the shocker to, to everybody. What was your first reactions when you saw the score uh, after the penalty kicks and all that? That game was so fun to watch. Like, even just for a casual fan, like the fact that Switzerland could own up two nothing didn't. Ends up conceding three unanswered, three one, with like fifteen minutes left to the world champions, and then Switzerland turns it on and scores two, and and forces extra time, and then wins in the shootout, and then one of the world's best young players misses the penalty to send France home. Like, you just can't make this stuff up. You really, really can't. And it's been one of those Euros where if you're watching the game and you take your eye off the TV, you're going to miss something crazy. And that game is going to go down that day in general because then you had Croatia and Spain in the earlier game. That was 5-3. That was hectic. And you had this game, 3-3. That's going to go down as one of the best days in football history. And so... Italy knocks out or destroys Switzerland. People are saying it's tough. France hasn't looked that good. I know they were in the group of death. I know they were playing good teams. But, you know, you're the world champions. You, you expect them to come out a little bit better. They were a little bit flat. They tied Hungary, beat Germany on their own goal, tied to Portugal, albeit Portugal got two penalties. But still, they got a penalty of their own. So it just wasn't clicking this tournament. I said from the beginning, I think it's a wide-open tournament. My prediction's gone. Your prediction's gone. Yep. Christian's prediction's gone. Like, it's it's insane that if Italy 
beats Belgium or Belgium beats Italy, those two, one of those two teams is probably going to go to the final, you would think. But the yeah. way things are going, Anything would I be – I mean, Spain went – Switzerland even? Switzerland and Italy in the semifinal. That's a dangerous matchup for Italy because you've seen it in football, you've seen it in hockey. It's very tough to beat a team twice in two weeks. Three nothing. They're coming off a high. They have beaten France, and if that were to happen, they would have just beaten Spain as well. So their confidence is rolling high. It's crazy. And then you have the other side of the bracket where the Netherlands drop out. Sorry, Jeff. England is the coming home. Really pissing me off, but now they have yeah. an easier <laughs> side. But exactly. Is there really though an easy side after what we're seeing? Like all these teams, like mm-hmm. you think it's an easy side, but the ball's round, man. It rolls yep. whatever way it wants to roll. And it's going to go into the back of the net if it's an own goal, if it's a screamer, or if it's by a penalty shot. So, busy tournament so far. I hope Italy goes all the way, but you just never know. Yeah, so Italy and Belgium now, probably Italy's toughest oh, yeah. matchup so far. Who do you think has the better team, and who do you think is going to come out on top? Well, De Bruyne and Hazard aren't playing. That's huge. That that's like that is massive for Italy. Belgium has an amazing team. I think Italy can do it, and I get it. They had a tough time against Austria, but that's one of those games that they need. They needed to be woken up. They need to be humbled a little bit. It was a scare. It's two one extra time, but they showed that you know what the mentality was there. They went in. They won. They got two to one. They let in a goal. It was just, you know, one of those crazy kind of goals, but they're still really good defensively. Kalini's going to come back. Will Kiss a start? That's the question. Belgium, again, Belgium's look good. They've won every single game in this tournament, like Italy, but Italy's been more dominant. Belgium has ha- kind of had their, their mishaps throughout the tournament. You saw that f- for the first time in Italy against Austria, but Portugal, you can argue, deserve to win that game. And now they're without their two, one of their two best players. So, Wide open race, Lucas. I think Italy has a chance to win. Would I be surprised with Belgium? No, because Belgium's ranked number one in the world for a reason. All I got to say is Friday at 3 o'clock, cancel all your plans and watch that game because it's going to be a sight to see. I got the day off on Friday, Lucas, so uh, I think uh, we'll be watching uh, in the Curtelli household. Yeah, I was going to say to end off the show, have you been to the Market Lane? No, I have not. It's starting to become a party. You know, I, I <laughs> more than just celebrating Italy. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a party. It's like a rave down there. Like, no, nah, yeah. I, I want to celebrate. You know, I, I I love the honking. You know, everybody, all the flags are all. That's nice. It's everything to come together. Not just because of what happened with Italy not qualifying for the World Cup and all. Even just you know what everyone's had to go through with COVID and stuff. It's just mm-hmm. nice seeing people out cheering together, that kind of thing. But then once you get into Market Lane, it's kind of like, well, one, the cops are everywhere. Oh like, yeah, you, know, you see on social media and all that stuff. Yeah, they're like dragging people off motorcycles and stuff. But then you know, you got yeah p- people with water guns squirting cars and stuff. It's like you guys don't even know who's on this damn team. Okay, so I just <laughs> it just annoys me that you know you're just wearing that jersey because you see the tournament come on and then you go and you're going crazy. Like marketing yeah. used to just be a really nice celebration. You can. You can't take kids there anymore. You got grade eight, grade nine, thinking it's a rave and they're throwing water bottles and stuff. It's like, it's not about that. It's about celebrating Italy. Preach it, Luca. Preach it. Become respectful again. I am. I'm trying to preach it. 
But you know what? It doesn't matter to me because the true fans are at home watching the game, screaming their lungs out, having their throat burn for the next 10 hours because you exactly. went absolutely nuts when they scored an extra time. So, and then have a shot of Sembuka after yeah, the wins all the time to yeah. make your throat even hurt a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, Luca, good show, buddy. Thank you. Next week, uh, we'll see what happens with Tampa Bay and Montreal. We'll see what happens in the Euro Cup. And we'll see what happens with the Jays' new acquisitions and how they fare. Uh, we'll be back next week. Luca Moya, I'm Lucas Curtelli. Thank you for tuning in.